sometimes we run across games that are a little, like, difficult to, like, parse. You know, there's a lot going on. And, like, we try to, like, be kind of smart about it, right? Like, we try, we try to come at it from some different angles. Right on. So we, right on, yeah, right? so, like, with, with mm -hmm. games, especially when it comes to, like, time, like, which Braid is, like, time, time travel, like, manipulating time, you, you gotta ask yourself some, like, really difficult questions. So, like, mm. to, like, to get started, I just try to ask myself, like, you know, is it worth it? Let me work it. I'll put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Stop. Is your flipping if it's run yet? Fuck yet. you. <laughs> you spent three. You spent three weeks, and that's the intro you came up with. That's yeah. it. Huh? Can we reverse time and do yeah. that? Right? <laughs> to get to go back before Can I made that intro. I don't, I mean, for me? I mean, I don't know for sure that I can like reverse it and think of better intro, but like. Uh. Here's the thing. David's okay. the true monster. <laughs> 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 yeah that sounds about right hey guys uh dust your headphones off we're back welcome to the dust. welcome to the crit crew try not to get a sinus infection <laughs> yes um sorry about the delay we all are at fault here like the first week we missed uh max had zero internet because he's in a he's got middle of nowhere huh i mean i'm in, um, I'm in a cabin and, it's in the middle of nowhere but like he's living off the grid Yep, totally off the grid. And then Caleb had family in town, and then I went on vacation, and now we're here. So, Literally, oops. Three three delayed weeks and three people at fault. And now we're going to come back to what? Braid. Cool. Braid. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want to get to it, or do you want to continue the apology tour? No, or just continue I, to no, talk about how terrible my intro I, was? I think we should try to reduce the amount of apologizing we do per episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I disagree. I'm sorry that I apologize so much. Yeah, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> <laughs> we're, secret, we're, we're, old, we're, se we're secretly a Canadian podcast based on the amount of apologies. Um, hey, it's a good joke. Uh, yeah, uh, I know, so right? Braid. Uh, I mean, most people yeah. probably heard of this one, which is neat. This um, game? Ma wait, Mac. Or, I think so. Okay, Braid's yes, yes. I mean, not like, this podcast. I was that's what you're talking no, about. Yeah, no one's heard of this podcast, but yeah. yeah, people have heard of Braid. I mean, it's a it's an indie platformer, and Mario's a platformer. This is basically a Mario game. <laughs> basically, Max did. Did you do your normal unnecessary amount of note taking? I mean, I've got some notes. Um, let's hear. Let's hear what you got for us, Max. Yeah, Who so, made this game? Yeah, Tell us about him. Braid was made by Number None. That was a developer and publisher, and uh, it was released in two thousand and eight. Uh, it was a two thousand eight one, and um, it's kind of actually interestingly. We've talked about Xbox Live indie arcade games a while, but like we've talked about that a couple times. Um, and this is another example of that. Um, this is one of the... Um, it actually originally was just an Xbox Live game. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. then it, it became more. Um, and basically, I actually, for my, my, my personal memory, this was sort of like before indie games, but got... Mm -hmm. Huge. Like this, this was this, this was, was a little bit this, before that tipping yeah. point. Yeah. This this was in the indie game movie because yeah, it's it's really right on that tipping point, and it's it's given a lot of credit on that tipping point. Um, also, an another name you may have heard, if you've ever heard of Jonathan Blow, was he was the developer. He's what's normally more attached to this game than number none. And the, mm -hmm. the very interesting thing about this game, uh, while digging through some research just over the years, um, Jonathan Blow had like a very fleshed out prototype of this game without its art style. And it was essentially oh, yeah. a done deal. Um, mm -hmm. And then he had teamed up with, uh, I forget the artist's name. Um, but he basically approached him with a fully like feature complete, almost finished prototype, and that's sort of where the art style Braid is really known for uh, a lot of its art style. That kind of came into play way after the fact, um, 
it's uh, it's it's Mike Corriero is the creative illustrator and concept artist behind the game. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, but also it's worth noting that and you know we mentioned Jonathan Blow briefly. Um, he also uh, what's it called? Uh, he funded this game with his own money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he he was really really attached to this. Oh shoot. It's David Hellman that actually did the art. Whoops. David Hellman. Start over. Start over. He drew the artwork. The... I, I botched it. I mean, there's... there's... Start the episode over. He, What's... To be fair, what... he hasn't really yeah. done a lot since then. But also it's worth noting that, like, I just found, like, you know, I had, like, a, I have a bunch of names. Like, there was a big creative team. The art was an important part of this. Um, mm. I mean, because, again, like, uh, uh, Jonathan Blow, like, he, he knew what kind of game he wanted. He just needed, like the sound and the art mm-hmm. and he needed those things to be what came together and that's right. what a lot of the development came down to um yeah. so but, do we want so do we want to quickly talk about how this game is played it's a it's, mario but i can go basic, through time but it but it yeah. kind of is though i mean you you look at the fact that like most of the motifs within the starting area even in the game is uh, you have your goombas <laughs> Basically, yeah. your piranha plants and your princesses in another ca- castle. Your thing. your bullets. Oh yeah, right. it's totally right. like I, I wasn't making a Mario joke just because it's a platformer. Right. I was making a Mario joke because it's a platformer that like assumes that people know Mario rules. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's really the thing is it's just a straightforward side scroller um, that has time manipulation elements. Mm-hmm. By which we mean like if you ever get hurt, you can like go back in time a little mm-hmm. bit to prevent it or. There's some puzzles like let's say something is time man like it's, talking about time is so abstract that it's, it's hard to like give an example. There, there was an it's, example. It's a, it's a Prince of Persia sands of time. Yeah, but That's there are right. elements too where let's say you're trying to escape with a key and there's like a little like a horizontal rows of cannons being fired. There mm. are elements of slowing down time as well, so you can mm. dodge or just run through that course more easily. Um, the reversal of time, like we said. I believe um, there's I believe there's six worlds in total, and every world will introduce slightly different mechanics that correspond right. to time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we we could get into all those individual mechanics, but it's not t- like the fact that time manipulation—that's all you really need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mario, Mario with time. Yeah. Um, basically, and then so yeah, I, I think that like mechanics are a, like they're worth noting. Like they they play really well. And I do like that each like. Each world is very intentional in its mechanics, mm-hmm. but uh, so basically the the plot and then the the ending and the metaphors and symbolism behind things is more I think what we're here to talk about. Yeah, but do we want to just like quickly talk about the game play and the art behind that, like and the art style before we get to the ending? Because that's gonna be basically the rest of the conversation once we hit it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that's true. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we did talk about the art style, so we can go with that. It is very, um... Impressionistic. I, I was going to say pastoral, but both, okay. I think both of those work. And it's, it, like, and it's very two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Well, well yeah. it is it is weirdly um, contained. I mean, there are elements, the foreground elements in particular, have sort of this um, impressionist rendering, but it's mm-hmm. sort of bordered, um, which mm-hmm. gives it sort of a, like, stamped appearance um but then the background is a little more <clears throat> blurred and obscured uh, i remember them talking a lot about the particle effects being kind of a big deal um, sometimes before you enter a world you'll be in this room that is surrounded by clouds that are sort of undulating and, and puffing out around you so they they do a lot with 
the look of that impressionist world. Um, it's got a little bit of a chiaroscuro thing going on. How, how many so? other big words can we drop in how, here? It looks very so? painterly. Man, but like it, 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 it does in that it has like a lot of like really bright areas and really dark areas and like dark feels dark and bright feels bright and like I know that mm-hmm. I know that sounds like kind of a stupid thing to say, but when it comes it certainly to, does, buddy. But but like no, when it, when it when it comes down to setting mood and things like having really extreme lighting in some environments is really nice. Mm-hmm. Like it works okay, it works right, well for this. It. I think and, you can and, the and, intro. And it's it's worth noting because that's terminology that like yeah, like impressionist painters took into account, mm-hmm. and like it is painterly. Mm-hmm. But but seriously, like that intro is I think the most extreme example of you said chiaroscuro, but it kind of is. You're emerging from the shadows to see this cityscape that sort of is it on fire? Is it lit up? I mean, really, what is it? Um, and then you right. sort of like become known as like all right, this is the person that you're playing and you kind of just go from there but i mean from the get-go like that intro is a very um striking visual mm-hmm. yeah also um, like the way that they play with um parallax scrolling i mean you can yeah. see like the individual like for me i'm thinking oh i can see the individual uh, photoshop transparency layers <laughs> moving but it, it's still a really nice effect that gives some good depth oh yeah yeah so one one thing I want to talk about real quick before we get to the ending. How do you guys feel about the fact that this is, I mean, like we said, remarkably like Mario? I actually was thinking about that as I was saying that this is just like Mario. Just like Mario. Um, and uh, I actually think that it's kind of smart that considering how at the time there was such a small indie market... It actually mm-hmm. it makes it makes sense to take games that people go well. I understand this formula because this formula is ingrained into video game players' minds, and then going okay, we're going to take that and we're going to add a little bit to it. Mm-hmm. And what Braid does is it takes that formula and it says like okay, Mario, but with time travel, and then it's like right. okay, but we added this to time travel and this to time travel and this to time travel until you go to the end where you have a lot of mechanics that aren't Mario anymore, but are really Braid. Mm-hmm. And it lets you get to that deeper themes, which is pretty good. I think that works pretty well. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It? it just seems it just seems really weird to just be like, okay, so we got our own game, right? All right, what are we gonna do? We're gonna make like a Goomba. All right, so our enemies are Goombas. Wait, isn't that so, Mario? No, 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 no. This is our game. I think that's being a little our productive. Game. I think I think that like, I guess, but <laughs> well, you you think about like what ultimately Braid is about. It's a platformer that's mostly a puzzle game, and I, I don't think having a different perspective would benefit it at all. I, I think it's not a different having, perspective. Having it locked into a side scroller, they're able to introduce these mechanics that you you know the rules, you know the physics for that. You don't have to like mess with it in any particular way to really grasp onto these more complicated ideas of time manipulation it's instilled in your brain you know if if i jump at this height or this degree i know i'm going to land on this thing so i get i get that and i think it's to its benefit that it is a pretty recognizable platformer i'm not talking about like reinventing the side scroller i mean like when you have an enemy that is literally a chomping plant coming out of a pipe like that you like could have been in many other things Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really seem to fit with the, the rest of like the plot or the aesthetic or anything else, like okay. so I, I, I see your I, point. I will agree with you that it's a little on the nose with that. Mm, sweet validation. 
<laughs> I'll agree with you if that's a, that's a little on the nose, and I will also agree that Spec Ops is the game of the world. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't know it, but I just cut the episode there, and this is the last episode of the Crit Crew. <laughs> this is it. This is all that's I needed. Funny. I just wanted to throw you a bit of validation because I love you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Han. But um, no, I, I think it does like. Like again, like it makes sense to be like no, like we're working with things that people like. I lost my train of thought. Um, but all right, <laughs> but it makes sense that like there is not an indie market entirely yet, and you do have to kind of work with trying to get people to play things because they're familiar with it. I, yeah, and I think we're at a much different uh, point right now where it's like a, a more established thing, um, and creative voices can. Uh, really flood the market a lot better than they used to um so it it does make sense to have something that's a little more Mm -hmm. um safe let's say in terms of its aesthetics Uh, because you you are fighting think about when this came out i mean it was a year after uh modern the first modern warfare came out and um console triple a console games were a huge 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 deal so the idea of an xbla uh was an uphill battle yeah, I just thought that like they weren't even trying to be a thing on the PC. They they were literally right. trying to contend with like big console releases. I and mean, that's that's rough. Move over, like, Master Chief. Yeah. We got guy in suit. His name is yeah, Tim. like that's his name that's, is Tim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's ba- <laughs> that's basically what um, console experience was. Because I, I mean, I can tell you that with experience, that's basically what I remember um, being excited to have my 360 to play. Gears of War and Modern Warfare. So um, what, this was what a time to be alive that a, was <laughs> in the eighth grade, man. <laughs> so yeah, it, it makes sense to do something that's a little more uh, on the nose and familiar. Yeah. Um, and you compare this to you know Jonathan Blow's The Witness, and you see that like that is a wholly different beast. Right. That's not even trying to be something. But we're like yeah. we we live now with glasses of like now indie games can be like whatever they right want. anything like I was just playing <laughs> yeah. I was just playing everything a game where you just play as everything mm-hmm. let's not get good. Max started on everything please we have <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the rest of the episode <laughs> we're gonna do an episode on everything I swear to God I um, know I know <laughs> but I mean yeah all right so is it ending time it's ending time it's putting I down. think the, I. I think the one thing that we haven't mentioned, but, like, as a way to get to that, is that the way the game is played is there is sort of an overworld. Like, Caleb mentioned, like, you're in sort of a cityscape, and you walk into, like, a root, like, sort of a house, Mm -hmm. um, and you can go through different worlds through that. But, like, before you actually enter the puzzles, there's just sort of, like, I don't know, cloud. It's really just, like, a whole bunch of clouds is what the environment looks like. And there are books you can read that sort of offer... It's not very straightforward, like, very cryptic things about how, like, Tim is sad. Tim misses, like, woman. And it's just, like, it, like that's just sort of, like, the easiest way to put it. But if you actually read the, like, stuff, it is very poetic in a way, very obscure and vague. Um, which leads us to the ending where, oh, man, we're, I, there's a lot that I could, like, start with. But um, the last, like, the last level you start out and you see this like princess that you've more or less been like trying to get to. And, um, you see her like be picked up by the strong knight and she's like, please help me. And the knight's like, I've got you. 
Um, and then you run like through this like very like this environment where things are falling, all these like platforms are trying to block you, mm-hmm. and you finally get to the end where you think you're going to meet up with the princess. Um, but then you notice that like time has been going in reverse the whole time. So you see that the princess has actually been trying to run away from you mm-hmm. and all these platforms that you thought she was letting down to help you cross was actually things that she was trying to prevent you from catching up with her. And then when she says help, the knight is like, hey, like, come, like, I'll save you. And then, like, she jumps into his arms and he says, I've got you. And, like, they run away from you. Um, and then there are a lot of books to read after that with a lot of different interpretations. And I will let you guys get started where to go from here. Oh, my God. There's just, there's a lot of interpretations. Uh, it's all about the H-bomb. That's what I it's, tend to it's think, all, too. It's all about, yeah, I also <laughs> tend to think that slightly. Uh <laughs> So, the, the, I mean, the reason we, like, so it's weird, like, you have this puzzle game, and then the reason we think it is all about the creation of nuclear warfare is, like, the books talk, like, the, they have the quote, like, you know, now we're gods, now we're all sons of bitches, like, that sort of thing about, you know, it referenced the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. it talks about the woman shrieking and letting out her fire, um, and then, it, like, after you read all this books about fire and destruction and stuff... Um, it takes you back to the screen, like the front screen where you see a city on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly not, there's certainly a lot of ways to interpret this ending. It is not meant to be clear because mm-hmm. it also talks a lot about a boy being taken to a candy store. So there's that in there as well, I suppose. <laughs> I think that it's kind of one of those things where they went for an ending, which isn't directly supposed to specifically be one of those things, but is kind of supposed to vaguely be all of those things. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Which <laughs> I think on. is, I, I, I feel like that like sums it up pretty well, but like, yeah, this is kind of benefit of things not being like super spelled out and very poetic is that, yeah, people can get like stuck on lines and think about things and yeah, you know, the fire coming out of her mouth and references to the, the H-bomb. Um, but there's a lot of... I mean, there's something like... Th- there was a line I said about... Oh, hello, cat. Um, there, there was a line I heard about, like... Uh, what was it? Um, you need to look back to go forward. And that's the mechanic for the last level. And, like, that's pretty great. Like, I mm-hmm. like that that's a game where, like... <clears throat> in the process of making it, they're taking poetic ideas like that and applying that to gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um there's something to that, I think, and I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to see more people that try to make, not necessarily like plots that are defined by their gameplay, but try to make greater themes that are hinted at through gameplay. Sure. I mean, yeah. The thing is, I I don't feel like this game did that super well. I like, think, I, I feel I, like the ending sequence did. The ending did, but like when you think about all the other levels and puzzles before that, like it doesn't. Here, so really here's dead. here's my like my wonder with this game. There are elements in there that seem to serve a greater purpose, and I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's just because it's it's been a while since I played it. But um, throughout each world, you'll find these puzzle pieces um, that you pick up, and they relocate themselves to a larger canvas. And I guess if you assemble all the pieces, it'll create this um, painting. Um, what does that serve? Having collect- uh, having having collectibles, and I agree. I mean, that that's not. It, it, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a super. I, that's what I'm saying. Is like it it, fe- it seems like a much larger point of there. Are, there are things in this game that I think were servicing the genre of a platformer, but not necessarily doing a lot in terms of like adding to the 
narrative per se. Um, yeah. I think that ending sequence does everything you need um, with what you have. But yeah, there are just these remnant elements that I just don't. I, I don't think add much at all. I, I I sort of see that as like I'm sure if you look at like the content of those paintings, they have some deep significance towards the plot for only one person, and that is Jonathan Blow. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't really like see the benefit myself of like trying to find the hidden meaning between like sure. it just because like the rest of the game doesn't really like reflect in the ending. Like it's just like puzzles, and then you have random sections where you read lore. And they're totally disconnected until that ending. The thing is, uh, like, where it all it, sort of comes together. It is but. a strong, it is a strong ending, and I feel like they must have known while making it that the ending was like the the punch at the end there. Mm-hmm. You know, to have some real emphasis. And my opinion on things like that are that I if if some if the game has a really strong ending like that, I tend to want things to be wrapped up before then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, it's one of those like I'm <gasps> finished collectibles like it's kind of one of those like i wish i I, it's kind of like you know i wish that there was a nice clean bow on things by the end of this like you know Mm -hmm. just let things end and i'm okay with like just letting a game end but i also have like i'm a huge sucker for permadeath games so i guess that's there's that like (laughs) people like you know people like it not being over yet and having some time to do stuff so they that's i mean that's why that kind of stuff gets put in right yeah i mean the, uh, what is there anything else we got to talk about that like it's not a super long game right mm-hmm. it's just so like this was always going to be a shorter episode i just want to make sure we're thorough well yeah. i just think like us covering the significance of what this did for future generations of developers is like we cannot understate that enough no I mean, this this no, created it really created a whole um genre or sorry a, a whole um just a, a safe place for developers to finally get out there and not have to be a part of such a huge studio to make their yeah. voice known. It doesn't have to be quite as large a scale as other like as other games have been in the past, but like when it comes to indie games, like this is kind of like the like the Super Mario like of it launching totally, things. Yeah. Like it, it is like it's right at the beginning of things. Um, it is kind of crazy that it is so similar. It's so it's so similar. <laughs> it's so similar to Mario and follows yeah. a pattern of launching a genre. Sure. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the game coming out on the Switch, New Braid City. It'll be uh, pretty good. You put you, you put time travel on hats. I think yeah, is his, how it works. His, his hat mm. is called is called uh, Brady. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, so beautiful. Yep. Uh, so is it time to do coffee table segment? I think it's coffee table time, right? Coffee so, table. So, yeah. So fellas, if we were making a book called The All Her Street Video Games, where would Braid end up? Caleb, you start us off. I wanted to start. Oh. Okay, Max, Let go ahead. Max no, no, Caleb, no, eat no, it. No, no, Caleb, you start. No, no, no. I have nothing really more to add. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty... We've said what we needed to say. We're just underlining... We did, it's true. We're literally we did just thing. highlighting this Caleb, over Caleb and I did just literally talk about how this like set the genre in motion. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know, David. How do you I think know, it falls fuck? into the coffee table book? Okay, mind, I, I like, just feel like a sense this? of consistency is important, okay? I know, I know. Because the only I was just gonna say like it's kind of interesting that if we made like hypothetically if this book were made ten years earlier I think Braid would be referenced a lot more often but I think now like I first heard of Braid on like probably like G four or something like that like oh way wow. back like long ago where it's like hey this cut. ending's really cool I'm like oh how about that and um <laughs> like, like, how now, about like, that Morgan like Webb like, and Adam like Sessler. Even... <laughs> Even even then, people knew like, hey, that ending though. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, now, like, I feel like there's so many puzzle games that do it better and more interesting endings that I feel like at this point, the only thing worth mentioning, not, like, the only thing worth mentioning, that's a little harsh, but, like, Braid's biggest contribution, looking at the game industry now, is just, like, ki- like kicking off the indie scene, yeah, or it, being part of that first it, wave, it, it's, but, it's, like, now that... It's, like, super avant-garde. I, I've yeah, but, heard people say that it's a game that we take for granted now, and I agree with that. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get it's at. Of a known quantity, but it it did so much. So yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I made the most of this segment. You two, <laughs> you two couldn't do anything with it's the gold we were given. <laughs> Nail it, Caleb! High five! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am the editor of this book. <laughs> yep. Um. So, guys, thanks for listening to this uh, very breezy episode. Um, sorry about the delay. We'll try to oh my God. not we'll try do to that. that. We'll try to Stop do that again. Apologizing. Um, I can tell, however, based on our zero emails that you guys very much. <laughs> I don't know. My um, my my dad is kind of is kind of yeah. Like Brian's been bummed out. He was getting he was getting antsy. Um, if you want to send us uh, any game recommendations or comments or criticism or things you want us to talk about in more detail or fan art of us as time-traveling businessmen, I guess, um, send that to critcrewpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we also got a Facebook group for all of the things I just mentioned. Um, it's uh, Facebook forward slash critcrew. And then Twitter. That's why, about... Why do you phrase it like that? Because, because, because you, because know, you because, know why, Max. Because, yeah, I don't use it, but you know what? Oh, my God. uh, my content uploading on Twitter is like 300% Caleb's content uploading that's on Twitter true. over that's the last true. duration of time. No, it's true. It's very true. I'm, saying, right. I'm saying 300 in that I've tweeted three times and Caleb's done zero on the Facebook in the last month. <laughs> Okay, let's. I love this uh, our, this trouble in paradise section. We can always do at the end. You want to? Okay, so we want to talk about the real like lasting effects that Braid has had. I mean, we talked yeah, about okay. the theory that it's all centered around the creation of the atomic bomb in mm-hmm. nuclear war. Twin Peaks: The Return. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like there there have been a lot of like references to uh, to Lynchian stuff with the this this game too. Yeah. Well, um, there's, I mean, you really, you think about how the, the firemen really, uh...
Spoiler warning, I guess. Caleb, you you're perfect. David, let's hear it. I want to hear this. I'm on board. I, I do. I want because I want it. This is a platform now, and I feel like now that we've bridged the whole <laughs> creation of nuclear warfare, this is the chance. Um, mm-hmm. The firemen witnessing uh, from the White Lodge uh, the creation of evil uh, from the experiment. Um, you sees know what? Bob coming forth from this spew of vomiting. Oh bile. my god, Caleb! Um, Caleb! Hold the spoilers, bro. Have you not seen it? No. What are you doing? I thought you you watched it. (laughs) No, I'm a season behind. Rewind. Rewind it. Don't just just throw out big spoilers like that on a show I like and just haven't gotten to. (laughs) 